Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards and another action-packed weekend in the National League and across Step 3. Joining me as always is Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Hi, Luke. Remember to put your clock back. Oh, I think so, yeah. <laughs> definitely need that extra hour. And also joining me is Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. So we'll look at the National League. Uh, we'll get on to who's top shortly, but we've got to start with the result of the day because failed. They've been pretty formidable at home, but away from home, they've picked up a few nil-nils, not really scored goals. Well, they changed all that on Saturday, didn't they, Chris? They went down to Maidenhead, not an easy place to go, and uh, they hit them for six. Oh, they really did, didn't they? I mean... It didn't help from the Maidenhead had, had Christian Smith sent off uh, for what I saw described as an awful challenge on, on Ryan, Ryan Crowsdale and uh, he was sent off after 25 minutes. Uh, I mean, Fylde were already 1-0 up by then. Um, Danny Rowe would put them 1-0 uh, up after four minutes but uh, it doesn't help playing uh, with 10 men against Fylde because they are in exceptional uh, form at the moment, aren't they? Danny Rowe, another brace by Danny Rowe. Then I saw a start yesterday. I haven't verified this myself, but nine matches uh, unbeaten away they are now. So they're as formidable away as they are at home at the minute. And one signing really caught my eye in midweek. Nick Horton has gone uh, to file from Salford. And I think those who have seen Nick Horton play often watch him and think, how is he playing in non-league football, really? Because he is a quality player. So not only have they got quality already, they're adding quality and it looks quite formidable at the moment. Yeah, I went there for an undisclosed fee and it pushes file back into the playoffs. Maidenhead, they're five points above the relegation zone. So they will be slightly worried, I think, about that, Rob, won't they? They're on a bit of a tricky run, Maidenhead. Yeah, they are. I haven't seen them yet this season, Luke. That uh, pleasure's still to come. So um, I find it a little bit difficult to comment. But they certainly look as though they might be able to score the goals to stay at this level but they uh, they they have had some alarming results as well so uh, difficult season the old sec- the old tricky second season isn't it for Harrogate I mean the other the other surprising result of the day Chris was Harrogate slipping up at Dagenham and Redbridge a big win that for Dagenham but a disappointing result for, for Harrogate yeah that was a real surprise to me yeah I, I, especially given uh, you know where Dagenham are and, and Harrogate are going great guns at the moment I think well I looked into this one in a bit more depth um, and I looked and obviously Alex McQueen got a double there it's their first win since early September now one thing that really did strike me when I looked a bit further was that Peter Taylor made six changes from the last from the 1-0 loss at Boreham Wood he included three new signings in the, in those six changes and there were people who've been in the squad every match of the season who were dropped out of the squad so it looks to me like something's Something's changed at Dagenham Redbridge. The, maybe the straw that broke the camel's back came after that Boreham Wood defeat, and he, he realised that we need to do something about this. So he's been really busy, and it paid off. And I'm sure Harrogate Town played a different team than they thought they would be playing at, at Dagenham Redbridge yesterday. Yeah, interestingly, they brought in a couple of good players in Angelo Balanti, we know, who's really done well at this level, and Jack Munsey's won promotion with Cheltenham from this level as well. So, Dagenham, they're now only two points from getting out of the drop zone, and who'd have thought that a couple of weeks ago? Well, exactly, and let's, you know, we're only a third of the way through the season, so there's plenty of time for, for teams down there to regroup and, and, and put a run in. I think in terms of Harrogate, I think they'll they'll just write that one off. Sam Weaver is a really level-headed guy. They'll come back. One thing that struck me about their performance, and I think this came from the Dagenham-Redbridge uh, report, actually, that was that Joe Leasley, who ended up scoring towards the end of the game, 
for Harrogate yesterday was at the heart of everything good for Harrogate and that was from the from the home side who put that as well so I think that just shows you know he's a good performance he's he's a key guy for Harrogate Town um, within a lot of key guys and I think they'll be fine I think they'll bounce back they've probably been a little bit shocked by the performance of Dagenham and Redbridge yesterday I think they'll bounce back and they'll be fine yeah, another team who um, who slipped up yesterday and were leapfrogged were Salford City. They drew two all at home to Evsley, who have been struggling a little bit this year. Been doing better away from home than they have at home, but that game finished well. That finished one all yesterday, and I know a few people I was with yesterday had that on their accumulator, and they were they were ripping them up in anger at that result. They they were. I thought it was a real uh, a show of strength and character at the moment from Evsley. Obviously, there's a lot going on there off the pitch, a lot of uh, financial concerns. Um, but they romped through their FA Cup game against an informed Worthing side last week and a really dogged display there to come away with a draw. Looking at the stats, it looks as though Salford uh, probably will be uh, frustrated by only getting the one point, but uh, a good response from from Ebsfleet. I see Gaffney scored again and, and the talk about uh, yesterday about, about his name appearing on the... On the uh, score sheet quite a lot at the moment you do wonder don't you I mean we've not been at the matches but you wonder if there's such close attention on Adam Rooney is that leaving a bit more room for Gaffney and uh, you know if one don't hurt you the other one I'll tell you what Chris one thing that's looking at the Harrogate team from that game against Dagenham as well is um, you wonder how much that um, that FA Cup replays maybe decided team selection for yesterday because both Aaron Williams and Jack Muldoon were unused subs yesterday and he started off with Jordan Thielis and Mark Beck who've not been regulars this season for Harrogate no, but they've got massive strength in depth there, Luke. They really have. They've and and one thing that that um, did struck me when I heard um, Simon Weaver talking this week is that the amount of contracts that he gave to people who got them up last season, uh, it was certainly a higher percentage than most clubs that that go up through the uh, from the north or the south up to up to the national league. And these are guys that he knows really well, and he's also added that that bit of quality as well. So they've got a good sized squad there and I don't think it's something that will be worried about doing too often obviously it didn't work yesterday but I don't think it's worried about, it's something he'll be worried about doing next season because these guys know they've got um, know they've got contracts they're comfortable with that and they're, you know, they're playing for the manager Looking at who leapfrogged Salford it was Leighton Orient and the front of the non-league paper on Sunday said formidable and they won by four goals to nil four different scorers well three scorers for Leighton Orient and an own goal by Lewis Leighton Orient they're, they're looking a real, real deal only one defeat still Rob yeah they're going nicely aren't they yeah. tough tough yeah, it's looking to be a tough season for having Waterlooville at this level but uh, yeah I've seen Macaulay Bond on the score sheet interestingly the non-league paper has got Macaulay Bond down for two goals I think I did see elsewhere that one of them was, was an own goal he'll be doing his damn just to claim that won't he because uh, um, I think at the moment uh, Bond and Rooney are level with 12 goals this season um, that will include uh, the FA Cup as well but um, I think that could put Bond ahead if he's credited with two goals from yesterday we'll have to have a look at that when we uh, when we see the highlights but yeah they scored relatively early on Bond uh, through Coulson Bond doubled the, the, the lead and then uh, to be honest all the work was done in the first half and yet another one of those games Luke where when you get a 4-0 scoreline at half time what, what almost always happens second half there's only ever like one goal or no goals isn't there yeah that, no goals or one goal or whatever because you get uh, consolidation from the team that's ahead they've got what they want 
Um, you know, they probably wind it down a, a, a notch or two, um, maybe give one or two players a blow. And the other side that conceded four in the first half, of course, battle for an awful lot of pride. And um, it's an incredible stat in football, just how many times that happens. But uh, yeah, another good good win for, from Leighton Orient and, and good enough, of course, to take them back up to the top of the league. What else do we want to look at? Well, Wrexham, I mean, Wrexham missed out on the chance to go top. They they missed out going top. They, they were pegged back by a 90th minute goal by Jonathan Smith for Chesterfield. And we talked about Chesterfield coming from behind to win at file in the FA Cup last week. I mean, that could be another. That could be a result that keeps them uh, kick-starting the season. I guess getting, getting a draw against Wrexham is a really good result, isn't it? it? It's amazing, isn't it, how relative things are. We've had a couple of decent draws now, Chesterfield, where you know, people are looking at it and go, oh, that's, you know, it's stemmed the flow of defeats and that. And that one will have felt like a victory yesterday for Chesterfield and Martin Allen. They were obviously behind from the 21st minute to a penalty. Um, and uh, they literally got themselves back in it in added time at the end of the match. So it would have felt like a massive point to them and two drop for Wrexham. But uh, who knows? Um, what, what I found fascinating in, in, in the week... Mr. Allen, he's always good for a quote, isn't he? He was asked what he thought of the FA Cup draw. He completely and utterly poo-pooed it. He said he deleted the text that told him who they'd drawn. Uh, and his mind was 100% focused on the uh, game against Wrexham. Still no home win there for Chesterfield. But uh, I don't doubt that he'll get every ounce out of that team. And, uh, you know, it's really just a question of whether they can get the juggernaut going like Tranmere did last year or whether as each game slips by it's, it's just looking a little bit too late yeah another game that you wanted to look at Rob was um, Hartlepool versus Sutton Sutton went up to Hartlepool and came from behind but they were 2-1 behind and came back to win by three goals to two up there in the North East what we need listening to this podcast is one of those super statos and what we need that super stato to do is confirm what I think we already know that surely no other team secures more points from being behind than Sutton United. They did get an early lead yesterday, um, but uh, two goals in four minutes from Nico Muir and Liam Noble put the home side ahead pretty early on in the second half. Um, but a little bit like the game I went when they were ahead against Aldershot, they couldn't kick on. And uh, Sutton got themselves back in it with Tom Bollerinwa and then uh, Craig Eastman uh, stuck away a winner. And... Uh, I just think it's incredible how dogged Sutton are, how they're just never beaten. Uh, they weren't late, late goals yesterday, but it was two goals in the last half an hour. Um, and uh, fair play to them. You know, long trip up to the northeast, the same, pretty much the same sort of trip that uh, that Aldershot had yesterday to go to Gateshead. And uh, and they got the job done. Three points. Thank you very much. Sitting nicely in that uh, playoff position. I think it's one of the criticisms about Hartlepool. I know from a couple of the fans that I've spoken to is that when they get ahead they maybe just sit back because they've got a defender as a manager they, they do go a bit too defensive when they're ahead I don't know I guess you've got to see them week in week out to really be able to comment on that um, they didn't really kick on when they played Aldershot apparently it would appear that they didn't yesterday um, it's, look it's still work in progress there at Hartlepool let's remind ourselves where they've come from hanging on to their you know, the football club status last year, avoiding uh, relegation to the National League North. And look at them now. Um, as I'm looking at the table, I'm realising, of course, Sutton aren't in the playoff position. They're just outside it. And, and Hartlepool, one point behind them. So they've switched places yesterday. But uh, 
both Hartlepool and Sutton they're uh, sitting nicely for the season and uh, I know that uh, supporters of uh, the club that I'm involved with would uh, quite happily swap places with either of them <laughs> yeah and that, and that is all the shot and you went up to made the long trip up to Gateshead yesterday and before the match you caught up with um, super Gateshead fan uh, Jeff Kent didn't you Rob yeah fantastic character what non-league football's all about an absolute die-hard fan that will support that club uh, through thick and thin and a couple of his mates that I met as well but uh, here's uh, the pre-match chat I had with Jeff Kent I'm here at the Gateshead International Stadium for the NL full-time podcast and uh, I've caught up with our old friend he's not that old but our old friend Jeff Kent Jeff is the chap we spoke to when he did a talkie midweeker last season and my goodness me Jeff an awful lot's happened between then and now um, take us back to the close season you must have feared for the for the actual future of the club and, and, and all the players, you know, 17 players you lost, you know, just tell, take us back to there and take us forward. Yeah, it was a very, very worrying time, Rob. But at one stage, I, I had visions of us not having the football club to go and see this season, and that was the worst part about it. Um, the next bit, as you say, was we lost some good players, or what, in my, in my opinion, were good players. But to be fair to them lads, even them lads didn't know themselves what was going to happen tomorrow when they've got a life to lead and, and, and people to look after so you know I didn't you know you couldn't blame any one of them for, for picking up with new clubs well the only glad thing I was to, to say for on my behalf was for, for Steve Watson, Watson stopping and sticking his going with us and he did a wonderful job at the start of the season building the team up yeah I mean uh, he could easily have drifted off as well hadn't he I mean but I guess he stayed he stayed and he was prepared to stay if it was part time but ultimately the the new deal came through a lot of a lot of people thought that um, Gates had actually gone part time this season didn't they but uh, that's not the case no that's not the case I mean even a lot of the Gates fans themselves wonder the impression that we'd gone to a part time club but um as it as it comes as it as it turns out, we we are training the same as we were last season and, and we're operating as, as the same as we were last season. The only difference being, of course, is the budget a lot smaller. Instead of travelling overnight on a lot of away games, I leave them in the morning of the match to travel some long distance. So, 17 players and a lot of decent ones amongst them out the door. I think seven stayed, if I got my numbers right, and 15 came in. A little bit of reliance on youth in, in some respect. He seems to have picked and picked quite well, and uh, it's come together fairly quickly, hasn't it, this season? You're up in seventh coming into today's game. That's correct, yeah, and no hats off to Steve Watson. He did a tremendous job building the team up from where it was um, early doors in the pre-season to, to where the season started off. I think he had about two weeks or three weeks at the most to build the team up and get ready for the start of the season. And he's done a tremendous job achieving that. Luke Armstrong on, on loan from, from Middlesbrough and some of the lads who've signed for us, young, young Greg Ollie, who was a full city last season, tremendous player. And then um, we've got another lad on loan from Middlesbrough, Ainsley, Ainsley Pears, the goalkeeper, brilliant goalkeeper. I'm frightening in case Middlesbrough want him back, but I think he's with us for the rest of the season. In saying that, we've also got a good number two keeper, Mark Foden, the young Scots lad, who do a tremendous job as well. I don't know how he's done it, with the money he's had and the team he's got, yet we're in seventh place now, and what more could I wish for? Yeah, good competition, good form, good competition for places. Armstrong started the season well, but it's Foden and, and Rig as well. I've noticed Rig's name on the score sheet quite a lot. Yes, yeah, Steve Rig, yeah. I mean, there's, there's another lad, he's from the the west of the country, to be perfectly honest with you, there's that lad there, he lives in Keswick and he travels to Gated 
for training every day and for match days as well. So, but he, he, you know, he's put the ball away a few times. I was down at Boreham early on in the season. We we're getting beat one 0 and then he popped up to put the ball in net for the equaliser. I was down there. You no, know, haven't walked Louisville the weekend there, and uh, same again. Same man pops up and puts the ball away for us down there as well. Yeah, he's getting under the good score sheet. So to sum it up, then you're really relieved the club's still going, and uh, this season so far probably beyond your wildest dreams. It's probably one of the best seasons I've had for about five or for the past five or six seasons. Because prior to this, every season you're saying, "Oh, we've got to get into playoff places. We've got to get into playoff places." This season I started off with no ambitions other than to finish 20th or above. My opinion was if we finished 20th this season, then to me we'd won the league because we'd managed to survive. But we're far past that one and I'm over the moon. I can't see any, any more than I can for a big thank you to the lads who are playing for us and to Steve Watson who created the team. Brilliant. Thanks for joining us today, Jeff, and uh, enjoy the game. Not not too much, I have to say, with, <laughs> with all the shot links, but uh, um, they, uh, l- this has always been a close game, hasn't it? Um, there's been a couple of late dramatic twists in the past and penalty saves in the last minute, equalisers in the last minute, and Aldershot finally got their first win here last year. But uh, any thoughts or predictions for the game today? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, our, our way record is much better than our home record. Albeit we last home game, Dagdam and Redbridge, Red, we did manage to beat them. And I would like to see us take that win further forward again today with, with getting three points off yourselves. Uh, I'm, I'm the type of person I said when I got interviewed by, um, by the radio after the Torquay game, as long as we don't get beat. I don't mind what the score is as long as we don't get beat. Yeah, and you're, and you're enjoying kicking every ball still, Jeff, aren't you? Great, thanks for joining us, and we'll catch up with you maybe if you come down to uh, the Ebb Stadium later in the season. I'll certainly be down there, Rob. I will be down there, and I'll, I'll look out for you. And that was Jeff Kent, and uh, well, it was amazed that the season gate said Ravin after the, 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 the pre season that they had in the summer that they had, and he said if they'd have finished 20th, it'd feel like they've won the league well they won by three goals to nil he'd have, he'd have been even happier on Saturday evening after all the, after they beat Aldershot by three goals to nil and uh, they are now in the playoff places so I don't know what he'll be doing now Rob <laughs> well funny enough you've teed that up nicely without realising it let's, ha- let's let Jeff have the final say I didn't see him after the game but he dropped me a text and he says this think Aldershot came here at the wrong time Rob as you probably noticed, we're on a high just now. Funnily enough, the result didn't affect the league position of either clubs. Safe journey home and see you in March. There you go. You've got a new pundit there, Rob. Yeah, he's a top, top man. Um, and he said, please, can you or I make sure we get the link to him for the podcast? As he wants to uh, have a listen in. Uh, he's an absolute natural talker. And uh, what just comes out is the, his passion for the game and his passion for the club uh, my own thoughts uh, on yesterday's game well he's absolutely right Gateshead are really ticking over nicely they to me have been the best exponents I've seen this season of the three at the back you know the three five two turning very quickly into a strong wall of five when they're out of possession um, and uh, I spoke uh, about that amongst other things uh, with uh, the Gateshead manager Steve Watson after the game I'm kindly joined by Steve Watson for the NL full-time Podcast, Steve, really good afternoon's work for your side today. Um, you're up at the right end of the table and very, very solid all departments for you. You must be pleased. Yeah, I think solid's probably a good word to use. We um, Another clean sheet, which is always, you know, always pleased with that. That's, that's sort of five in a row now. Um, we looked, we looked solid. We looked organised. Uh, the shape, the shape worked. You know, 
Mike Williamson has took a little while to get going because he hadn't played a lot of football at the start of the year, but um, he's now he's now organising people very well and. Uh, as I say, we scored three good goals as well and, and keeps the run going. One of the things I know, I think probably, I guess around about half the team's all shot have played this season have played three at the back. It's probably a compliment to yourself and your team that one of the best I've seen of that today, you managed to get the bodies forward and, and, and create a threat, but as soon as you're out of possession, that's like a wall of five, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the boys work hard. I think that's, uh, you, can't, um, you can't play that system unless everybody works hard because be too, the, the gaps will appear. So that's that's the key. I've got a really good group that are willing to put the work in as well, and, and they're starting to get the rewards. You know, I mean, even the games that we we lost earlier in the season, we're just down to sort of um, naivety and a little little bit of the learning process for some of the younger lads. Uh, but you know, fingers crossed that uh, them lessons have, have gone somewhere to being learnt now, and, and uh, you know we're looking pretty solid. Really tough like week coming up. You know, filed and. Wrexham both away, two very difficult away games and then Rochdale in the Cup, so it's no respite, but obviously it's, it's a very good three points again. Nice bit of confidence building amongst your side and some good competition for places as well. What happened in the summer, Steve, has been well documented and, and, and much talked about on, on our podcast as much as others. What I wanted to ask you was this. There was an awful lot of people out that door for whatever reason, obviously what was going to, you know, a lot of uncertainty, but you stayed and you didn't always know quite what the remit was going to be. Did you have to draw on all your experience, all your contacts from football, all, all the good contacts you got in the northeast? Because you did get to pretty much, other than the six or seven who stayed, build a new side from scratch, and it must have called upon all that. Yeah, it was. You know, it's my first managerial job, and to have that summer as my first summer was, you know, was very, very difficult. It was. There was times where, well, most of the time, I, I did not know where we were going. I did not know who was going to be in charge, what the budget was. So wasn't allowed to sign anybody, but not so much the contacts in the northeast. It's just that I knew that if the budget was going to be small, um, I knew how much um, talent is up here, uh, and I know I knew how many lads probably just missed out on um, careers at Newcastle and, and the teams around. So. That, you know, that's that's kind of where I've done my recruitment in the summer, apart from the guys who I already knew um, that I brought in. And you know, they've, they've been a pleasure to work with. They really have. They're all young. They're all hungry. They all want to learn, and they get on great together. We've got a really strong group. Well, congratulations on a really solid performance today, and uh, we'll catch up with you again when you come down to Aldershot later in the season. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that was the Gateshead manager Steve Watson, and it was interesting to see to hear that he was. Um, he kind of he, he kept a positive air about him throughout the summer, even when there was lots of uncertainty, wasn't there? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody doubts um, his uh, grit, his passion, his experience, his desire. But when you don't know what it is, you know, what what kind of shape are you trying to put together? What what are you building? Is it part time model? Is it full time model? You know, um, it's a fair play to him. I really that's the side of things I really wanted to explore with him uh, yesterday. But um, I have to say. You know, if they reminded me of a team, interesting enough, there could be a link because I've said it so many times until I'm blue in the face. Efficient, um, getting the basics right and not making silly mistakes does really, really well in this league. And, of course, Steve Watson was, was he not assistant and coach to John Askey at Macclesfield for a while? Yeah. Um, prior to coming to Gateshead and that's the kind of feel I got about Gateshead yesterday look I'm not going to say they're world beaters I'm not going to say they're going to tear up the playoffs you know it's going to be difficult for them to make that top seven they're just in it at the moment but what fun they're having how organised they are and what a credit to that football club those players are just now 
um, fully deserved three points for Gateshead. Um, one hopes it was a bit of a blip performance for Aldershot after a much improved last month. And uh, I guess we'll find out really because they're back in action along with a lot of the clubs on uh, Tuesday uh, when shots will be taken on uh, Luke Garrard's Boreham Wood. It was interesting as well that he mentioned about Mike Williamson. Now he's got him fully fit. I mean, what a signing that is to have with the experience Mike Williamson's got. Yeah, fantastic actually, because he has come down from a different level, from a different kind of, uh, not generation of footballers, but a different mindset. It was interesting talking before we went to, 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 to record the audio with Jeff Kent. He was saying about how grounded people are at this level and uh, how distant it is between them at the Premiership level. A good example of that, when Jeff wasn't so well recently, a couple of the players came and uh, knocked on the door and visited him in hospital. Um, and uh, he said uh, when Mike Williamson first came to the club, it was a bit of a culture shock for him because he now realises that when you walk through the stadium door there, you don't just march through to the stadium, uh, to the changing rooms, uh, Luke. You, you stop, you say hello to a few of the regulars, shake yeah. their hand, have a little chat with them. And, uh, um, you know, he said Mike William now, Williamson now does that. But that wouldn't have been his world when he was uh, playing for, for, for Newcastle. And do you think that somebody of his experience can help propel Gateshead further forward in the playoffs as well? Because obviously, like you say, Steve Watson was saying he's not fully fit yet, but with that experience he's in there, they must provide some solidity. And he's probably too good for the National League as well. Yeah, he was very impressive individually and as a leader yesterday. And uh, I really noticed that myself because uh, perhaps if there's one thing the, the, the young Aldershot town side are, are lacking at the minute, it's um, it's real leaders on the pitch. Uh, Scott Rendell is a very experienced player, but I always think, and I've been a centre forward myself, I always think it's different, difficult to captain a side from the front. We talked about Fylde a few weeks ago, and they've got three or four players who are ex-skippers at uh, other clubs. But no, Williamson set a really, really good example. Uh, Gates had a very, very difficult nut to crack for Aldershot, and uh, full credit to them. I think very, very competitive up the top end, Luke. If you push me on it now, will they make the top seven? I'd say probably just miss out. But they uh, they certainly and quite rightly will believe that they've got themselves a decent shout. I know another game, uh, we've got two of the games I, I want to talk about. The One of them you want to look at was Borumwood versus Bromley, Rob. Good win for Borumwood there. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Went behind to uh, an Omar Bagheel goal before they, uh, they, they fought back. And Gozi Ugwu, who couldn't buy a goal at Chesterfield, has gone to Borumwood and he scored again for them now. Yeah, and that's really interesting because... It's so amazing, isn't it, for strikers? You know, they, they go to a new club, they score in the first couple of games and then it kicks off, doesn't it? I mean, he hadn't scored, I don't think, for, for Chesterfield. And uh, they've got some good young strikers there. I don't think Luke Garrard always knows what how they're going to perform on the day. But now he's got the competition for places. Uh, Shibu scored and uh, uh, Josh Umeira is the top scorer. He, he, he came from Charlton. He, uh, he had to come off the bench yesterday. He only played the last um, half an hour. In fact, Ugu came off the bench as well, looking at it. So, really good competition uh, for places there. And that's exactly what Luke Garrard would want. Because if you remember when he, uh, when he spoke uh, with Tom Lang earlier on in the season, he was, he was saying along those lines, wasn't he? These guys have got some good uh, potential, some good ability. But I just don't know if I'm going to get it from them week in, week out yet. Yeah, Nugu scored him more or less his first touch as well when he came on. So a super sub there from Luke Garrard. And another game I just want to look at quickly for psychological reasons. Braintree, they beat Dover. It leaves Dover still on eight points. But first home win of the season for Braintree. And that'll be a massive coup for them. They're still four points out of getting out for 
they're still four points away from safety, but that'll be a massive result for Braintree and, and Hacken Hiretten. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just the psychological advantage of, of switching places with the side you've just beaten, getting off the bottom and, and seeing that your points fa- your points tally is now in double figures as well. Um, one of the good things for Hakan Hiretten, he knows the club, doesn't he? He knows the score. It's not that long since he was there and he's been able to hit the ground running and that's exactly what Braintree need if they're going to have any chance of, of getting out this we won't of course write anybody off this season Luke not uh, not even Dover who are, are now six points adrift because because we've got the example of Solihull Moors from last season um, when around about this time probably even another month or two deeper into the season when we're looking at it there were 12 there were 14 points adrift and, and we gave them no chance did we but they they came through quite solidly and uh, finished uh, well away from the relegation positions in the end. So, uh, who knows? Uh, Dagenham and Redbridge, they should have uh, renewed uh, belief now. They've had a lot of narrow defeats. We mentioned them earlier in the podcast. They're starting to, to show in glimpses of what they can do now. Maidstone have got the new manager there. You know, there, there might be some teams in that lower mid-table that might be looking over their shoulder. And rest assured, listeners, I do appreciate that all the shot are one of them. And well, on that note, we'll move on nicely now onto the National League South. Hi, I'm Jay Robinson, and you're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. And in the National League South, we have a new leader, Rob Steve King's Welling United. Who'd have thought it? Eh? After a three-one win over Gloucester City, they are now top after both Billericay and Woking slipped up. Yeah, fantastic. We just picked up last week, I think, that they kind of. They'd always been in that top seven, but they'd actually uh, crept up to kind of second place. And uh, what a great job Steve King is doing there. Um, and, uh, yeah, fantastic for them to, to, to hit the top. Uh, they're not conceding many goals, are they? I think they've conceded less than a goal a game. They don't always uh, bang in too many, but they did get three yesterday, three different scorers. And, yeah, uh, Steve King will be absolutely delighted with that. Um I think uh, whilst uh, yeah, Bill and Ricky were held, weren't they? Won all by uh, Dulwich Hamlet. And that was a gritty performance from Dulwich Hamlet because they went behind to Ross Lafayette, the new uh, signing from Sutton, in, in the 19th minute. And at that point, if you'd been there, you'd think, well, this is business as normal. This will be a comfortable home win. Uh, but not so. Uh, Ferguson scoring for Dulwich in the uh, 70th minute. And, uh, you know, whilst they're lower mid-table, they are full nine points above the relegation zone and they're making a good fist of this first season at this level, Luke. Yeah, and they've also got the good news recently that they're going back to Champion Hill as well, which is great news for all concerned and that'll be uh, a real fillip for them and I think that'll be a big advantage for them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, fair play to them. That will give them a lift off the pitch as well as the one that they're, they're, they're getting on it. And, uh, of course, we can't wait any longer, Luke. Let's move on to the game of the day, really, yesterday. Uh, Woking at home to Bath City. Both of them sat in the top four and uh, Woking now finding themselves in fourth, having uh, been on the end of a, of, of a home defeat. They uh, they went behind early on and the afternoon didn't get much better. Uh, Kretschmar pulled one back, but uh, Anthony Straker, a former Aldershot town player and, 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 and uh, somebody who... Uh, uh, he got the third goal and uh, I'm not quite fully sure what the incident was but there was an incident there um, with Straker and the Woking fans and uh, I'll perhaps have to do a bit more digging to find out what went on there but uh, a tasty one Bath City coming out on top to uh, to keep up their good form just three points off the top of the league now Yeah I'm guessing that it was something to do with his, his ex-Aldershot connections I'm guessing but well Bath City they've joined second best defensive record in the division and um 
As I say, Bath have been the last couple of seasons just kind of been top 10, floating around. But they're really giving it a good goal this year. And Adam Mann, man in the match yesterday, as he said, got um, the opening goal of the game. And they've leapfrobbed Woken and, and, and are Bath considered serious contenders? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm wondering if you missed out a pun opportunity, Luke. You know, they don't normally go, go begging, do they? But man, being man of the match. Very good. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't intentional, don't worry. <laughs> it's another team who were another team are on the, the rise of Torquay I mean since Gary Johnson's cut came in they were looking further towards the bottom of the table than the top all of a sudden they're in fifth position and they're scoring for fun they weren't conceding many anyway before Gary Johnson came in he's just got them scoring more now and uh, they're into fifth place and everyone will be going uh oh won't they absolutely they will we said when uh, Gary Hours went that, that it wasn't too late for them to come searching back but I think what's really surprised people is that they've been scoring two, three, four goals now every week, and uh, it was it was talking nil, wasn't it, when Gary Harris was there? But uh, listen, I I make a prediction now. No one else is going to Wildstone this year and winning three nil. What a result! I mean, Wildstone are still just in the top seven, although from seventh place down to fourteenth in the National League South are separated by just one point. So it's ridiculously close there. Another defeat for someone like Wilson. They could find themselves 10th next week. But uh, no, that's magnificent. Magnificent. I mean, it was tight for the first, pretty much the first half there at Wilson. Um And then once Torquay got their noses in front, they, they, they didn't look back. Yeah, moving down to the bottom now. Vital wins for Truro and for Hungerford. Hungerford, they leapfrogged East Thurrock after losing to East Thurrock last week and dropping into the bottom three. They've bounced back. They had a really good win over Hampton and Richmond Borough. Goal from Danieli Osai Didamo, I think I said that right. He scored his third goal in three league games and a real boost for Ian Herring's men. Yeah, it is a great win for them. Didamo, I think it is. But... Um, you know what, um, Hampton and Richmond Borough, we've, we've complimented them how they, well they were doing this season. Is there a bit of a curse of the podcast there? Because since, since Tom was there and interviewed them, uh, they really, they, they, they've slipped down a little bit, haven't they? I think uh, a great result for Hungerford that lifts them uh, temporarily at least out of the bottom three. But let's doff our caps to Truro City. They've been waiting for that first home win of the season at Plainmore as uh, you know home in inverted commas obviously and they finally got it yesterday with a 3-1 win against Dartford in fact Dartford only scored themselves in the uh, in the 90th minute a couple of goals for Harvey uh, but the crowd, well, consistent, if nothing else, Luke, 87. Yeah, and there's a bit of an on-off saga with the ground there as well. I mean, it looked like they could be moving back to, to their uh, the home that they've, they've owned for years, Trail Road. Um, but then it, it, there was another statement out this week saying, well, actually, they may well build on it after all, and they may well stay at playing more for another season until they get the new ground up and running. So still some uncertainty there off the pit. Absolutely, there is. You know, it's a long, difficult road ahead for them. We talked about the main matches we were going to feature in the National League South, but we have to mention our friends at Chippenham. Having been written off by some members of the podcast team, they now sit on goal difference outside the playoffs. 2-0 win yesterday at home to East Thurrock. Well done, Chippenham. Yeah, I know. When, when we spoke to Lee, the Chippenham fan, earlier in the season, he said, I said, we'll speak to you again at Christmas and if you're in the playoffs, what would your reaction be? And he said, it'd be great. I think they'd just expect, I think they'd be chuffed with a top 10 finish this year. So if they're getting in the playoffs, I don't know what what, <laughs> what reaction they'd get really from, from the Chippenham fans. Yeah, one of the things, and I got this feeling yesterday when I was up at Gateshead, Sometimes, if people with inside the club or outside of the club think it's going to be a difficult season, if the expectations are really low, if nobody really expects anything from the season, it can really play into your hands, can't it? Because um, 
you know, a lot of people wrote chipping them off and they're going out there and they're playing freely week in, week out and they're surprising a few teams and, you know, you probably still have a mindset if you're setting up to play someone like Chippenham, you're probably thinking, oh, that's one of the games we should win. You know, they're catching teams teams out week in, week out, aren't they? That's uh, that's now five wins out of their seven home matches and uh, they picked up a couple of wins on the road as well. Um, we talked how close this league was last season, but uh, I, 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 that, that is just staggering. Between fifth, in fact, Luke, 14th. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. A exciting day in the National League North. And uh, I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll start off at the top because, Charlie, we've been raving about them all season. We wondered when they were going to come unstuck. They finally did yesterday at Bradford Park Avenue. And... Uh, a massive win for Bradford Park Avenue, that, and it puts 11 points for Kidderminster within four points of Charlie now. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a huge win, isn't it? And I think, I think first of all, I'd like to focus on, on Bradford Park Avenue because, you know, their form is absolutely fantastic at the moment. And uh, they've, they've won three out of the last four now, and they're in third position in the league table. Now, who'd have thought that at the beginning of the season? And I think it just shows... What a difficult place it is to go to Bradford Park Avenue, and what a good job, good job that uh, that Mark Bauer's doing there. On the Chorley side of things, you know, um, Jamie Vermiglio, he was pretty philosophical about it actually, and he was saying it's it's good that they've got a game so soon. They're at, they're at Stockport County on Tuesday, and uh, it gives them a chance to to move on. That'll be a really interesting game, Chris, won't it? That going to Stockport, of course, Chorley who knocked Stockport out of the playoffs last year but all of a sudden I mean we're saying Charlie were nine points clear the other week all of a sudden it's, it's with Charlie's FA Cup run and the results going for him I mean by now Kidderminster could have gone ahead of him they s- slipped up sort of yesterday nil-nil at Geisel and all of a sudden it's, it's closed up again at the top hasn't it yeah it has but it's still a nice comfortable gap that isn't it I mean if they, if Charlie do win that uh, their game in hand there'd be seven points clear and and I think Jamie Vermiglio goes on to say in that interview if I'm, if I'm not wrong that uh, you know they'd have taken this at the start of the season and I think every single one of those teams in that division would have taken it at the start of the season Season, wouldn't they? What they've done there is is absolutely phenomenal. But we're only a third of the way through the season. But the thing is now for Chorley, they they don't have to do as well as they have done in those first games. And you know it'd be almost impossible, I would say. They've got a winning nine, drawn three, lost one record. Now to do that in the next two thirds of the season is so difficult, isn't it? But even if they you know win seven of those draw a couple lose a few they're still going to be in a decent position at the end of the season and as we say Kidderminster they slipped up to FC they had a chance to go within one point of Charlie last week slipped up at home to FC United they went to Geisley ordinarily it would be a good point but as I say would it be seen as two points drop now with Charlie losing yeah I think it will do for, for Kidderminster I think that they would have really wanted to bounce back from from that defeat last time out, and it, I think it will set a few alarm bells ringing because you know Geisley are in decent form at the moment. So let's not forget they're, they're probably in the top five in the in the form table. So it is a very difficult place to go. A team who've obviously got experience of playing at a higher higher level last season. Having said that, I think Kidderminster will have that down for for three points, and I think I think they'll be quite disappointed. I haven't seen much reaction about that, so I don't know how the game went. So another but. team are on a cracking run of form at the minute. They were struggling at home until recently. A Boston, and all of a sudden they're up to fourth, and they're only a point behind Bradford and Kidderminster. Now they had a really good three-on win over Hereford. We'll talk about Hereford in a minute, but. Uh, Craig Elliott seems to have got it sorted. He's, he's, he's pushed a few out the door on loan. He's brought in who he wanted to be. He's brought back the 
he's brought back Greg Smith, he's brought in um, Gavin Allett from who we know from Charlene, who are both good goal scorers, and all of a sudden the goals are now flowing again for them, aren't they? Yeah, and how often does that happen when a, a manager takes up? Well, he's been there a while now, hasn't he? But uh, he brings in people that he knows. He brings in people that he have done a good job elsewhere. And you know, we've seen Gavin Elliott play for the last few seasons, and he is a handful, isn't he? And he's going to be a handful for people in this league as well. And he was rewarded with the goal. I know at, at half time, at nil nil, they would have been. Um, thinking that they needed um, to, to turn something around at half-time half but Craig Elliott you know he, he likes strength in his team he likes height in his team they get a lot of good crosses in they're tight at the back and I'm not surprised to see them marching up the division actually I think we mentioned they could be dark horses this season um, they're, well they're proving they're proving that point aren't they yeah and it's interesting as well as you say all the three new signings scored Josh Hine who signed Ex-Salford and Charlie, Gavin Allett, as we said, and, and Jordan Slew, who's had a bit of a downward spiral since he got that big move to Blackburn a few years ago. So if he can keep them scoring, then they'll be a real threat, won't they? Oh, they will be, yeah. And do you know what? It doesn't surprise me that he does attract players to, to come and play for him because yeah, I, when you speak to him after the games, he's a quite calm individual. He's quite calm on the on the touchline, and he's not someone who rants and raves. He's not someone if you're a winger, you're just going to get earache the whole game, mm. like uh, like other managers. Certainly, someone that, that I'm not surprised does get um, people playing for him. And Hereford, Chris, uh, look at the other end of the table now. You saw him the other week against Stockport. They put in a solid performance, but. That defeat now just leaves them two points above the relegation zone and we'll get on to FC United shortly but they're picking up a nice little bit of run FC and Hereford will be really looking over their shoulders now won't they? Yeah absolutely and I'm, I'm almost thinking I'm not sure that that performance against Stockport was possibly more of a more of a um, comment on how Stockport are doing rather than Hereford possibly but I was impressed with them and I was I was impressed with the the new managerial setup there um, last time when I saw them at County um, but the form isn't isn't really bottoming that one out is it because they've lost four out of the last five now and they are struggling just just hovering above that that relegation zone now they've got a lot of fights I mean I don't know when we I think we probably have to now stop talking about the the change in um, the Peter Beadle thing and everything that went on because Hereford now needs to look forward I think we probably do as well I think we made our comments well known about that it was a surprising decision however I like I say I was impressed with the setup. I was impressed um, speaking to the to the new setup last time. You know, with a with a few peop- more people coming in, they're bringing in a few loan signings from league clubs and things like that. I think they'll probably be okay. Yeah, a team who needed a win as well with Telford. They had a really good start to the season. They're in danger of slipping out of the playoffs. They were losing by a goal to nil against York with just over 15 minutes to go but he pulled it back and a last minute goal from Stephen Marley gave them all the three points and after the game friend of the podcast Richard Scott caught up with the AFC Telford captain Shane Sutton Shane thanks for joining us on the NL full time uh, fantastic performance coming back and beating uh, from behind beating York City 2-1 you must have been pl- pleased with the performance yeah I mean their goal in the first half obviously we were, we were kind of on top and they broke away and scored uh, I think that was their only chance of the first half so we, we've just said at half time listen just keep, keep that first half performance off uh, they've had one chance if, if we can just perform like that again in the second half we're, we're going to keep getting chances and that we did and we, we took them uh, right right to the end so we I think we fully deserved the three points today 
And it felt in the stands, I don't know if it felt on the pitch, like you could just feel that goal coming. Could you feel it on the pitch, like, you know, at one point the ball was going to end up in the back of the York net? Yeah, and it, to be fair, it's been the same the last few games we've had against Stockport, Chorley. We've been one goal down and it's kind of been, we we, we never say die attitude sort of thing. And the, the goals we've been conceding, they've been letting us down, really. I mean, we, we need to stop them little goals and hopefully go on and just win games comfortable one or two nil but we are putting ourselves in a bit of a dangerous position but we're also having a reaction and our second half performances especially the last sort of 20 minutes 30 minutes today I mean their players are just uh, nowhere near it compared to what we're doing so it's, it's good to watch from the back as well and that free kick from Steph Molly at the end uh, have it been in the Premier League we'll have seen that every weekend on match of the day for the rest of the season yeah but that's what he's that's what he's got in his locker really you see it in training and, and you, you see how the quality he's got every day when we're training so um I kind I kind of just had that feeling it was going to go in as well say, same as the Chorley and same as the Stockport game I think it's that never say die and I think there's a kind of confidence that we're not going to lose games if we are losing 1-0 that we're definitely going to get a goal back and hopefully get the three points and you say about that going a goal down and you went a goal down against Shirley injury time equaliser injury time winner today is it just something that you Gavin Cowan drills into the team you know keep going till the end yeah well I think that's the type of people we are but like some teams maybe if they're losing one at half time they're thinking well the, the game's not long left we're not going to win but we've just got the, the characters we're just going to fight right to the end every training session everyone just gives 100% and in the games losing 1-0 2-0 if it's 1-0 everyone's just going to give 120% right right until the last whistle and the last few home games we've um, we've managed to nick one at the end I think we were we were close to getting an equaliser at Curzon last week um we had a little header just towards the end, but um, the ideal thing would be not to be one goal behind. But um, it's a it's a good sign if we if we know we can come back as well. So, and I believe it's uh, unbeaten in seven uh, at home for yourselves this season. Uh, how much do the fans play a part of that? You know, turn this place into a fortress. Oh, they they've been great, and they're, it's it's kind of strange really because it's a complete different feel to last season. I mean. Uh, we had lad, lads like last year it was kind of like oh no we don't want to play at home like it, it was fairly tense and whatever but like you can hear the lads in training all week oh I can't wait to play at the box head and that's the kind of feeling around here now I think the fans are with us we're definitely enjoying the fans are making hell of a noise like the last sort of 10 minutes today they've just kind of drove us over the line and uh, it's great to hear really. you look up, you've jumped up to six today with Brackley drawing at FC United and a big game on Tuesday night here at home to Hereford uh, what's your thoughts ahead of that one yeah I mean Her Hereford's obviously a local team for me so I've been looking forward to this game for a while and uh, my little nephew's mascot and whatever, so it should be a good night um, but no it's, it's no point getting not getting three points today and then go and lose we need to pick up a bit of momentum and hopefully that'll just kick us on now right up to Christmas and then see where we are there it's good to 12 months since you lost to Hereford in the FA Cup you know, is it time to you know, show them what you're about and put one over them yeah I mean I remember that game last year I think we had about five injuries we've had a player sent off it was just a real real bad day really and how much we've improved now hopefully we can just not like go out and get revenge because <clears throat> it's not really about that you just want to you want to show them how good you are and, and pull it to bed really so hopefully we can show how much we've improved in the last year and um, 
really, really, really want three points. Yeah. You've really improved from uh, 12 months ago, as you say, pushing up for that, you know, into the playoffs. You know, is that what the lads are hoping for at end of the season? You know, to be right up there, challenging to get back into the national league. Yeah, well, we've we've set our targets. Like, not not just the lads that are playing, the lads on the bench, the staff. We we've all kind of set a little target, and we we know what we want to aim for, and. Uh, Obviously, results like today just keep us keep us on track for that. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Shane. Cheers. Thank you. And that was AFC Telford captain Shane Sutton. And Chris, big win for Telford that keeps them in the playoffs now. That is a huge win for Telford. It really is because because York were doing okay as well um, before that game. They'd got seven out of the last nine points available, and they were on a little bit of a, a march up the table. Obviously, they've got Sam Collins there now pulling the pulling the strings and um, for Telford to win that one and it wasn't just a win it's these type of wins that can really kick you on as Telford started well they've dropped off in recent weeks but I don't know whether you've seen that free kick the the, the beauty of modern technology now is that when there is a good goal that goes in there's four different mobile phone angles especially when it's a dead ball and so I've seen that goal from about four different positions now and it's an absolutely beautiful free kick in the last minute and I think that will give Telford so much confidence and I do expect to see them just carry on up that table and um, you know great 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 win there it was Stephen Morley by the way with the free kick yeah and another team who we've got we won't go too much more into the National League North but another team who everyone's got to keep their eye on a Chester two games in hand and everyone level on points with Brackley who occupy the last playoff spot and they can came from behind to beat Alfredson including an absolute screamer from Gary Roberts and you know it's um, a screamer when even the the Alfredson Twitter says wow what a goal <laughs> yeah when you get praise from your opponents on Twitter you're doing something right aren't you now we're talking about form teams haven't we but Chester are now the form team in that division and a game that had everything if you bought a ticket for that game you've got your money back and more it had a hat trick like Gary Roberts, a last-minute winner, two sendings off. Uh, Steve Howson from Chester, James Clifton from Alfreton, um, Reece Steich, you know, scored on his on his Alfreton debut. And I thought one of the most interesting things about that was they spoke to uh, Gary Roberts. I think it was the club uh, spoke to Gary Roberts at the end, and he says that's the worst he's played in a Chester shirt and he scored a hat-trick and he says it was as bad as Blythe when they lost 8-1 he's got a hat-trick they've won 3-2 and they're continuing the march up the division yeah somebody else who might be marching up the division Chris so RFC United they as we mentioned last week they appointed Neil Reynolds and they won at Kidderminster without him there his Bamber Bridge, his Bamber Bridge team were getting beaten by four goals to nil in his last home game but he's gone in this week and he drew at home with Brackley and He's got a very positive vibe about him, Neil Reynolds, and he, he's transmitting that into the players on the pitch. And, and four points from Brackley and Kidderminster aren't to be sniffed at. No, not at all. You know, it doesn't surprise us, does it, Luke? Because we've we've seen his his Bamber Bridge teams play. He's a very impressive guy, and it was a big strain for him to leave Bamber Bridge. I think eight years had he been there, Luke, something like that. Yeah, player as it's, well as manager. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He'd been there for a long time. He was part of the furniture. Um, when we've been up there, he comes into the bar and he chats to all the fans. They love him. And so for him to leave, you know, that that was a big wrench for him. But he's he's obviously moved to um, no disrespect to Bamber Bridge, but you know, FC United is a bigger club. They're struggling at the moment, and he really has got an opportunity there, hasn't he, to to turn something round and um, you know, in a few years down the line, become a legend at another club as well. And he's he started well. It's interesting, Chris, as well. They've kind of 
they obviously started off with Carl Marginson when he first formed. Then they appointed from within in Tom Greaves, and now they've appointed from lower down. And they've, they've tried to cherry pick the best managers from down below. As we mentioned before, Darren Kelly was offered it and then turned it down. And so they've gone for like Neil Reynolds, who's got a good track record at the division below us and two divisions below. And he was doing well with Bamber Bridge in the Evo Stick Prem as well this season. Yeah, he was. Yeah, they, they were they were doing really well, weren't they? And um, we'll probably continue because he's left uh, he's left a, a good legacy there. But it is interesting, isn't it, when when teams do that? And and I think that it's right as well, isn't it? Because these guys do deserve a chance at, at a higher level when they've when they've proven it um, from from somewhere below. But I put it this way: I'm always much more comfortable with that than um, than when a team brings in, you know, a former Premier League legend or a you know a former legend of the club when they were in in better times. Because a lot of the time these guys these guys don't have the, that sort of experience, and he's got the experience. He's been there. He's done it. Yeah, I think we all wish him luck because you know we want we want to see FC United stay in this division they bring a lot to this division they bring a lot of fans and it's a great club at the end of the day yeah and just above FC United on goal difference are Nuneaton and they're a team you saw yesterday Chris and it was a one. It was a two-two draw at Stockport yesterday, and I know in the WhatsApp group you described Nuneaton as awesome yesterday. Yeah, I thought they were awesome, and I think I think especially what was referring to that. And I, you know, I had to write a couple of articles yesterday, one for the the West Midlands papers and uh, and one for the non-league paper. And I think I think what I, I was talking about was their character. The character was fantastic yesterday. They embodied. I think the character of the fans who'd come to watch from Nuneaton and you could tell they were playing with fire in the bellies and they were playing to keep that club afloat they were brilliant they could have been three goals up in the first half they went in 1-0 up um, they scored a goal after about seven minutes uh, they went in 1-0 up they could have been 3-0 up then the inevitable happened after the break Stockport County came up no came out no doubt had a bit of a rollicking at half time came out um, with a bit between the teeth, went two one up. In that process, you know, they were down to ten men when uneaten. Um, after Old Ben got sent off for a handball on the line, and they dug in and they had the character to come back. And it was it was fitting that it was the captain Miles Addison up for a corner with a bullet header into the bottom corner, and they got a point from the game. And they could have had three points from the game. And uh, I spoke to Nicky Eden after the game to, to get his thoughts. I'm joined by Nicky Eden on the National League full-time podcast after their two-all draw at Stockport County. Nicky must be really pleased with that battling performance by your lads. Yeah, definitely. Um, I th- felt first half, a couple of really good chances. You, know, you can always say, you know, we should be two or three up, you know, but we did, we did carve out, you know, two or three real good chances, you know, managed to take one of them. Neil Stockport had come out, you know, second half and have real goals, which they did. Um, fair play to them, put us under a lot of pressure. Uh, loads of balls going in the box. You know, they got the penalty down to 10 men again. Uh, but I thought the lads, you know, really stuck at it. Arguably, you could have gone in more than one up at half time. Yeah, which is probably maybe why we are where we are to a certain extent, you know. Because if, if you go in two ups, obviously better than one up. <laughs> and, um, you know, you've got a bit more of a lead. You know, they've really got to come at you. They've got to score two just to get level. Uh, but one nil is a difficult one. You know, I think, and I think position that we're in, I think you can sense the lads, you know, sort of disappointment when chances don't go in. But you said to me, oh, you're not going to take every chance you create, you know, especially not at this level. Now we all know the problems off the pitch and everything that's going on. How does that affect your sort of preparation for the game and your team talk and how the lads react out there on the pitch? You, you try, and, you know. I, I said to him, you know, I think you were probably about half one, two o'clock, you know, and I says, 
next forget everything that's going off at outside. Mm. You know, this next three hours is yours. You know, <laughs> it's, your, it's your game. It's your game of football. Forget about what, whatever's going on. You know, your personal life, life at the club. Just go and enjoy, enjoy your football. You know, and that's what you play football for. Yeah. I thought it was telling at the end actually when you went over there and all the all the players went and shook the hands of the supporters who were just delighted with the performance I think today. They were they were proud of you guys. Yeah, I think you know I just said to them then, you know, I never want to see a team of mine and fouls you know, pack in. Yeah. You know. And even the game last last week, the six niller, they never packed in, yeah. you know, and I think as long as I think most fans will, will tolerate a lot, you know, if they see players battling for the shirt. You know, whatever motivation the players use, that they've got to go out and play. Play. They're playing for the club, you know, and especially the situation we're in. And it's, the fans have been been great. You know, they've stuck with us, and it is a tough time at the minute. Well, good luck, and it all gets sorted out. Yeah. That was Dean Nuneaton boss Nicky Eden, and, and yeah, I mean. Even you sounded proud interviewing him, Chris. You seemed like really chuffed to bits for him. Yeah, I was pleased. I mean, obviously, I, I want to see Stockport County doing well, but the t- they deserved, Nuneaton Borough deserved that yesterday. And if, if they show that fight, they'll be absolutely fine. And I could tell when I, when I spoke to Nicky Eden that, you know, it's been a real tough time, but I think he was proud of that performance as well. And I think... I think it's something that could galvanise them and it could it could really push them on. It's a long process, isn't it, in these situations? But I know the day before, I think on Friday, they had some, some good news around um, loans that had been... I don't know whether written off is the right technical term, but there was there was some good news about some loans that former uh, owner Lee Thorne had, had, had written off. So the, it's small steps... But there was a big step on the pitch yesterday because those players are, are bought into this. As I say, we, we wish them well. It'll be interesting to see uh, how they do going forward. But as you say, because if they embody that on the pitch, then uh, they'll have no issues. So now we'll look back at the, the midweek re- FA Cup replays that took place. There was a lot of National League teams involved in replays. They all got through them comfortably. But the game we were interested in over midweek and is our step three focus this week was Leatherhead versus Hitchin, two of the lowest ranked teams left in the competition. And uh, Rob, you went down there, didn't you? Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, if I'm really honest, it wasn't the the, the, the result that, that I was hoping for on the night because it's no secret that uh, I'm friends with Nicky Bull, the uh, Leatherhead manager, having commentated on you know 30-odd games with him over the last couple of seasons and uh, him being one of my all-town all-time favourite uh, shots players. However, it was brilliantly set up. Uh, Fetchham Grove, the perfect location for a midweek uh, FA Cup replay under the lights. And I really felt the atmosphere. The minute I walked in the ground and got into the clubhouse, there was a real buzz about it. Everybody mingling together, having a drink in the bar. And uh, funny enough, while I was in the bar, Luke, I bumped into Ray, the uh, secretary of Sutton United. And I thought, brilliant. We had a little chat and a drink together. Uh, and he was kind enough to have a few words with me for the podcast because at the end of the day Sutton FA Cup FA Cup replay and he's a Leatherhead lad it was a really interesting chat so I'm here at uh, Leatherhead for the NL full-time podcast team tonight come to watch of course Leatherhead and Hitchin two step three sides that uh, well whoever goes through will be the lowest ranked team left in the competition and the first person I've bumped into on the way into the stadium and he very kindly bought me a drink as well top man is Ray Ward the Sutton United Secretary and uh, Ray we've just been talking 
uh, about the FA Cup. Just talk us through those last couple of minutes for Sutton on the weekend when it looked like they could be going out and they went up the other end and won it. It was almost certain that we were going out. We were we won all, both goals from the penalty. Nil-nil at half-time. Wilston got a penalty. Uh, we equalised with a penalty. And in the 88th minute, Wilston got another penalty. Uh, Jamie Butler made a magnificent save. And uh, we thought we were... All preparations amongst us in the stand was for the replay. And then we, we had the ball on the break, uh, 90 plus four minutes. Jonah Ayunga uh, put a through ball through for Aaron Drynan and he slotted it home and uh, about 300 Sutton fans went, went wild. And the next minute you're in the draw and you're, you're playing Slough Town in the next round. Who's at home, forgive me? We're at home, Sutton's at home to Slough. So there's a little yeah. bit of extra work for you there, right? But uh, all good fun and you love the Africa. I mean, you're a Leatherhead lad apparently and you try and get down here occasionally when Sutton are not playing. Absolutely, yeah, I live in Leatherhead so it's nice to get the opportunity to come along. I, I can't, we, we can't cover the FA Cup and talk about Sutton without asking you about that run amazing you must have been a very proud man to to be making arrangements with Arsenal well to, to have been making arrangements with with Leeds and AFC Wimbledon of course as well was um, we, we all non-league teams would love those days and uh, and you know, they will come to everyone eventually and of course we're always on the lookout for another run similar to that and of course this podcast will go out at the weekend after this replay but come on let's let's um let's have a little pop at what might happen tonight i think i'm just going to go even though probably because nicky bull's a good friend i'd I'd, I'd love to see leatherhead progress i've got a sneaky feeling for hitching what about yourself no i i would like to see leatherhead progress Uh, whoever wins is going to have a tough tie against solihull but um as we said earlier if leatherhead progress you'll have two goalkeeper managers facing each other you heard it here first it could be Nicky Bull against Tim Flowers that's put the kiss of death on that one hasn't it Ray thank you so much for the drink and for joining us and uh, look forward to catching up with you later in the season so that was Sutton United Secretary Ray Ward and normally we're pretty rubbish at predictions Rob but you came out on top on this one I did I didn't want to get it right but uh, for some reason in both games Leatherhead just couldn't quite put Hitchin away in the first game uh, they were ahead and then Hitchin went down to 10 men uh, but they, they they couldn't find a second and Hitching got back into it and earned themselves the replay and then on the night uh, Leatherhead got themselves ahead uh, 20 odd minutes in and then right on the stroke of half time they had great opportunity to uh, double their lead um, and uh, sadly uh, Gregory's uh, penalty kick was, was saved by uh, a very very impressive keeper Michael Johnson in the second half Johnson went on to make a couple of brilliant saves and uh, Hitchin got themselves back in it again and then uh, 10 minutes into extra time they scored what was the winner Leatherhead will feel a little bit unlucky um, by all accounts they've come up against a few goalkeepers in inspired form of late for me personally although I couldn't interview him on the night the following day I really really wanted to catch up with that goalkeeper Michael Johnson of Hitchin a heroic cup winning performance from him and I spoke to him uh, 24 hours late. Well, I'm joined on the NL Food full-time podcast by uh, Michael Johnson, better known to his teammates as MJ. And and Michael was the goalkeeper who uh, put in an outstanding performance for Step 3 Hitchin, who are now the lowest-ranked side left in the FA Cup following their replay win after extra time at Leatherhead 
on Wednesday evening. MJ, first things first, I understand after all the excitement of last night and the, and the 120 minutes and everything else, there's not much of your voice left. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Um, this is uh, pretty much obliterated, but all for a good cause. Another thing, obviously, being, being the lowest ranked team left is obviously not, not the best thing in the world. Obviously, means you're not doing too well in the league. Not too bad, we're still in it. So, you take the positives out the negatives. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see the first game. I, I, I read reports of it, but uh, I did witness the game at uh, Fetcham Grove, and uh, it was an interesting one for sure. Um, I, I think you won't mind me saying that probably uh, Leatherhead started off a little bit more on the front foot and, and, and uh, you know, got themselves a lead early on. Um, and they could have doubled that lead, couldn't they, uh, uh, MJ, just before half-time? What were your thoughts, first of all, on the award of the penalty? Was it a fair penalty? And then secondly, just talk us through uh, what happened next. Uh, at the time, I didn't, I didn't think it was a penalty. I thought it was quite soft. I thought um, the player deliberately slowed up, waited for our player to come, come into him. And as soon as he felt a bit of pressure, he went down. But then, at the same time, I kind of looked at it and thought... If my defender didn't jump in to try and block the cross, he wouldn't have been sold, wouldn't have taken him on, and he wouldn't have been in that position anyway. So, once it's given the ref wasn't changing his mind, it didn't matter here or there. Mm. Um, funnily enough, before the game, um, my manager, uh, Mark Burt, kept like a six, seven page scouting report on, on Riverhead, and he never, he's never done this before, I've never seen one anyway. He was showing me where all their penalties went against Hanwell, and funnily enough, every single penalty went to my left. So um, I don't think any of the players noticed. But before we took the penalty, I was actually waving at um, Berkey, the manager, and pointing to my left, uh, trying to get a signal to think it is this player going to the left as well. Mm. They didn't respond, and I kind of just went that way and made the save. Excellent. Yeah. No. It was. It was good. It was one of those, you know, for strikers, I guess they're expected to uh, to score penalties, and, and and for goalkeepers, it's always like a bonus when you do save them. But uh, I guess it's it's getting the balance these days, isn't it? It all goes through little trends. Penalties, doesn't it? I mean, uh, there seems to be a bit of a tendency to go down the middle at the minute because the keeper's always going to try and dive and, and and be seen to be trying. What's your thoughts on that one? Well, if I was pretty taken. That's what I do. Um, funnily enough, our penalty. On Saturday, uh, our, our captain put it straight down the middle. A keeper's got to be very brave to stand still and not dive. And a player's got to be very brave to think that a keeper won't stand still. And it's, it is just a battle of nerves and wit, isn't it? So who can outdo who? Your lads scored in the second half and, and, and got another one halfway or well into extra time. But before that, you know, I'm pretty sure it was still 1 0 in the second half when, uh, when you pulled off what for me is one of the best saves I've seen this season it was a strike from distance and you dived up and to your left and, and tipped it round for a corner you know obviously I know it's your job uh, to make saves but you must have been pleased with that one yeah I think the moment he hit that I, I kind of knew if I didn't save it it was going in it's definitely the best save I've made this season I think in terms of the importance like obviously keeping it at 1-0 and also like the calibre of save it was it was it was going top corner and I literally had to pluck it out. Um, that's what my job is. Shoot any part of the body to keep the ball in the net. That's what I did. Will it be your first appearance? I guess it will be in the FA Cup first round proper. It will be. It's, it's really, it's really funny because at Hitchin, I've been there for about five years, and we have never gone past the second qualifying round. 
we've at most we've won one game and then we've lost and it's usually been to a lower league team and it's usually been at home we have a total overall of the playing squad there's only about four people left that were there from last year and they're the first time we get the FA Cup since we get all the way through to the first round wow and when you get there you're going to come up against quite some opposition. I've, I've, I've seen them at first hand this season, Solihull Moors. They, they don't make any secret of the way they play football. They're going to bombard balls into your box. And I'm sure Mr. Burke's uh, scouting report will tell you this when he goes and watches them. Obviously, you'll, you'll be called upon. <laughs> um, but I'm sure you've got plenty of faith in those defenders in front of you as well. Yeah, definitely. I think as the season's kind of going on now, we, we're getting a lot better defensively. Um, I'm sure most of you will know we lost 8-1 which isn't something that we should talk about too much but it happened um, we learned a lot of harsh lessons and we learned them very quickly as the season has gone on and we're now one of the best defensive teams in our league so it's something that's very strong for us it's kind of what Berkey likes to build from is a strong strong back uh, basis and kind of go from there so I feel like if he's always got the uh, mentality of if you don't concede then the least you do is come off with a nil-nil and that Good stuff. Well, MJ, very best of luck in, in that first round. MJ, it's great to talk to you, and uh, we'll speak to you again on the NL Full-Time Podcast soon. Definitely. Thanks very much for having me. And that was a very hoarse Michael Johnson, Rob Woodham, a very happy Michael Johnson. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, thoroughly deserved as well. He's a highly rated young goalkeeper, actually, and uh, uh, I have to say, he was so, so engaging prior to that chat, during that chat, and we've even been in a little bit of touch since, because... Uh, it would now appear with uh, with Aldershot playing their FA Cup first round tie on the Saturday and Hitchin taking on uh, Solihull Moors on the Sunday. It would appear that I will be able to go to both those matches and I look forward to meeting Michael uh, in person and seeing how the lowest ranked side in the FA Cup get on uh, in the first round proper. And uh, they're our step three team of the week this week. Hitchin, so well done to them. I remember them, as I say, a bit like Slough last week where it was, um, you know, I always remember growing up watching FA Cup match of the days and Hitching were always involved weren't they in like the early 90s yeah absolutely I think your memory's better than mine which is impressive actually I'm younger than you are. Rob that's why <laughs> you're a little bit younger than me <laughs> but uh, yeah I mean that's great for me who does an awful lot of miles uh, around the country to, to watch and to commentate on football I'm really looking forward to that game because Hitching's just uh, 20 minutes or so down the down the A1 for me and uh I have been to top fields before. I've seen all the shot play there a couple of times, but I look forward to revisiting and uh, seeing how Hitchin get on. I'm not sure it's going to be the most easy on the eye, Ty. Uh, and bless his heart, as Tim Flowers said to us early in the season, he knows that, he respects that, he accepts that. But uh, his Solly Holmore side, who incidentally we hadn't mentioned earlier on today, just keep marching on. Oh, and uh, indeed they do, and it'll be an interesting tie. Rob will be there and uh, we'll be across the FA Cup ties when they happen well Rob thanks for joining us again this week yeah pleasure as always Luke and Chris thanks for joining us I'll let you get on with your day we'll speak to you soon ok cheers Luke thank you all for listening you can follow us at NL Full Time on Twitter NL Full Time on Facebook or you can email us nlfulltime at gmail.com also if you have the podcast app on your iPhone then you can subscribe on there as well that's what I've done it pings up every Monday and you can hear the latest episode on there but until then happy football watching and we'll speak to you all very soon